Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Drifter Sympathy on SBI Audio. This season is made possible through the generous support of Patreon subscribers. To become a patron, visit Drifter Sympathy on Facebook and hear more music at holysons.bandcamp.com. Deserts of Zeus <laughs> 
As a kid, I remember many, many circumstances where I wondered if madness would just strike me like a lightning bolt. I think it's the only way you can possibly imagine the idea of the truth hitting you. And although it never happens in a moment, I guess you really pray for it and you wait to have a breakthrough your entire life, really. If you know you're going in the right direction, even if the world is just totally black, you're just going to keep going that way. And then at least you have a task that's structure. Then you have to learn to survive after you decide to. Once you've built yourself up block by block, you have a base of knowledge. You see what works now and you're so impatient to leave behind all the things that didn't work. You can't wait to live. It's like you know intrinsically the best thing in the world would be to stand up straight, strong, needing no one, nothing, and knowing why you're on this earth. After understanding that was my single focus, that summer I slowly began to see it and feel just like that. Nothing could be better. saw the earth, saw why it was, and why I was there. It was perfect. Everything within me was unified. No layers I couldn't see. You could ask a question. I could speak. The answer would always be clear. Everything was clean, simple. I couldn't have anticipated this change. There was no way to believe in it. But when it happens to you and you feel right, that it's good to be alive, Nothing can compare. Everything on earth that we encounter is a subcategory and a simulation of true happiness. It's all an imitation of the real thing. And when you hold in your hand being alive, in the way that you were meant to be. You see the drugs 
and all of the vice. It's innocent. Everyone is waiting, waiting for a breakthrough. They can't even see or believe in. I didn't know what suffering was. When it came to me, I thought I was dying. And no one definitely told me that there was the potential through it to become in union with it and the universe. No one talked about that. And when I came back to them later and tried to tell them that this is a perfect place, they said that wasn't real either. honest with myself I see that I changed very slowly really probably very stubbornly Duncan and I had argued every day I told him the universe was a chaotic place and 
There was no floor that he would ever stand on. And he argued for the infinite intelligence of the universe and the plan and how all this was guiding us somewhere. And at night, he'd go back to his room and you'd hear his chanting beads clacking behind the door for hours. And I'd spend hundreds of hours sitting in my bathtub thinking. Nothing Duncan had said could weed its way in through the walls of my mind. I was positive of what I had experienced. So I went home for the summer and was completely paralyzed by something. Friends would come by and knock and I would break out in a sweat and run to the back of the house hiding underneath a desk. At night, when it was safe, around 1 a.m., I would give myself a walk out in the pitch black. If someone came down the path, I could easily just hide in the trees by the train tracks. Just watch them until they're gone. I think a couple months in, I made the decision to visit one friend that summer, probably two in the morning. They were up on their balcony, just smoking cigarettes and staring out over the yard. They never noticed me standing there in between the trees. During the day, I lived in my bathrobe among the books up in the attic room. If there were visitors, I just didn't need to come down. Everything was much more calm up there, and I totally recalibrated to the convalescent pace. The days just rolled on and into a new semester, and it was time to go back to school. And as I got there and wasn't entirely recognizable as the same person, I went to bed one night and had this dream. So Duncan comes by the next day and I told him to sit down. Something happened, something's different. I don't know why this happened, but God came to me. He asked me if I was ready and if I really did want to be happy and that it was time now. And as I'm explaining this, Duncan's face just starts to melt into this look of pain and sadness and anger. And I recognized that look because it's the look of somebody who really wants something and they're going to get it because they will stop at nothing. They'll sacrifice their life. And I said, Duncan, you were right. There is a plan. And he frowned and said, no, maybe I wasn't. This doesn't make sense. I mean, why would you feel like this? You don't even want to feel like this. I said, I know, I know, I don't understand this. 
I, I feel happy. All of the pain and perceived imbalance of the world is there for a reason. It has to be there. When we're bleeding, it dries, coagulates, we heal, we grow, we want to be stronger. And through pain and crisis and suffering, we will become stronger. And this is unstoppable. You were right. You told me. You were right. And he just looked deflated because that's what the books said. And the books described this. And he had studied this and knew it by belief. And here's somebody who doesn't believe in it but suddenly knows it. It's like we switched places and now we were just arguing all over again. Look of pain is back again It's on your face It's a look, it's a look of pain And I tried and I tried my best So fuck the rest It's a look, it's a look of pain And it's back
I have no problem admitting that I've lived most of my life as a totally fragmented entity. There are ways in which I think the artist's life is served by seeing things upside down. Before Artie Lang came along, Herman Hess said that the only difference between a schizophrenic and an average conscious person is the ordering of their mind states. And around the same time, Freud developed the concept of the sensor, an entity that floats between your conscious and unconscious mind and blocks you from the things you don't want to see. One of my great heroes, Jean-Paul Sartre, was largely more of a philosopher than a psychologist, and he was disturbed by this idea of the unconscious because he thought that it may disperse one's own responsibility towards their actions. So probably with society's well-being in mind, he put forth this brilliant idea that the sensor can't really block you from what you don't want to see because it must know what it's blocking you from. So in turn, you know what you don't want to see. We all live in wildly inefficient ways. We all have to suppress things that interrupt our ability to operate just so we can get on with what's in front of us. And eventually the mind becomes like a filing cabinet that's become so out of order that it's essentially useless or a hard drive that's so fragmented it can't even operate. So over the course of my early life, I tumbled and snowballed towards the most fractured, impractical, useless state of mind that I could be in. And once I was finally tied into the worst possible configuration of myself, I imploded. At that point, just making a plan to lock the door and start walking was so difficult that as soon as I hit the street, I was so confused by the idea of where I was supposed to go that I'd probably have to turn around and go think about my decision, rendering me into a hall of so many mirrors that I just could not leave. I couldn't do anything. And while that state was really entirely terrible and there was no redeeming aspect of it, the one thing that it did force me to do is just stop. Maybe that was a form of meditation. Maybe I actually read books and maybe paid attention to life on a much deeper level. And eventually, I think a kind of humility was pummeled into me. There was barely any persona left. I officially really didn't care if I existed.
way the world looked now was not something that made me hesitate or think about why I was in this new place. Everything was just clear in front of me and plain to see. So if you met me, you'd have no residual sense of where I'd come from. You'd just see this completely transparent thing that was totally comfortable on the earth. There wasn't a single clue to my past. So because there was no appreciation for what I'd been through to someone new that I'd meet, I appeared like some sort of fictitious character almost, someone that couldn't possibly be going through something so positive. This quickly formed a group of bizarre enemies and some people that sort of intellectually sponsored me and even wanted me to teach classes on this thing I said I knew about now. I found the contention super fascinating. I didn't ever take anything personally. I just thought, if you didn't like the idea that the world was a perfect place, we should talk about that. We should open up the dialogue into a place where you can say why. This could be the beginning of the best conversation I could ever imagine. What is consciousness for? What is it supposed to serve? Just in the way that it delivers you the most exquisite nightmares, couldn't it also be the facilitator of a kind of super health? Is it possible that there is a form of emotional wisdom that allows you to appreciate life in real time? Not something you speculate about or something you work towards, but something you are present for and enjoy because you've not separated yourself from it and decided that it has things that must be corrected. You've now aligned yourself with it, have anticipated its basic laws, and see how well they work. The world is itself as it wanted to be, as it rolled like a stone through the celestial sea and polished itself into something that works, that is simple, that makes sense. But you push against it. You have your choice. You can go with it or push against it. The world doesn't enjoy watching you hurt yourself. It waits for you to join it. No one understands why you have such a design of self-flagellation, but maybe someday you'll get over that. Maybe someday you will be in union and stop projecting your script on something that doesn't need to be improved. The odds that this world would be a hospitable place were so insanely slight. So the fact that it is beautiful and the weather is calm and it provides sunlight and photosynthesis and for peaceful beasts to exist is almost hard to really imagine that that kind of luck was bestowed upon anything, especially something with a mind that could be used for something practical. We live just like animals, but because consciousness has granted this slightly higher vocabulary, we're able to go down to a hardware store and say, I need these kinds of screws and these two by fours because I'd like to build a back porch. I have a quaint vision of what life is. 
that I will fulfill. I will make some sweet tea and the sun will shine through the trees and hit my face at just the right angle. And in that moment, I will experience some hopeful kind of ego inflation that I have lived life in the correct manner. But alas, the human story is that we see in that moment we are just like any other animal and we don't transcend the scientific laws of Earth. We're stuck inside the same four walls and we are forced to interpret what that is. Alan Watts once said that the ego provides a false mouth on a false head sitting on your shoulder so that every time you lift the nutrition that's meant for you and your body to your mouth, if you decide to feed the ego for that kind of fleeting immediate gratification that won't sustain you, you're essentially throwing away your food because you've told yourself that the false you is somehow more real than reality. So rather than busying ourselves with what's the new action hero movie about this weekend, I didn't have any problem challenging anybody at any time about their interpretation of what actually matters in life. But because a lot of these people were my loved ones, I thought it was important to stop the day and stop the progression of literal thinking and face the truth. certainly times where people found it extremely offensive to suggest that their suffering was something that they could leave behind. And it was weird to watch people clawing and grabbing at it and wanting it to stay forever. In the papers on the TV screens, pictures of Adolf again. As sure as I sit here, there will appear pictures of Adolf again. Hitler 
Christ of Austin, Christ are all the Caesars to come. That's the joys, that's the joys. Sooner or later, that's the choice, that's the choice you're gonna have. in a very lonely position I didn't feel lonely at all there were a few professors on campus that were known to be sort of legendary minds that you could consult if you were having trouble and slowly each teacher started to be weary of my presence There was a sage in the math department that was heralded as one of the school's great minds. And I don't know why I found myself in his office, just me and him one day. And I asked him, when you walk outside in the morning and you look at the world, how do you feel about it? And he said, the world is a mixed bag. We all know that. And I said, how do you mean? And he said, we all know it's a mixed bag. It's 50-50. Walk out into the street and look at the roadkill and see the math of the world. It's 50-50. Pleasure and pain. And I just smiled and didn't really understand him I was just like what if you're just not seeing the God's eye view and from up above this formula is actually clean and perfect and what you see as 50-50 is completely unified from up above and he was writing on the chalkboard I could see around the corner of his face he was very upset he didn't like this idea it didn't compute I'd walked in there innocently I wasn't trying to disturb anybody but I was immediately getting the sense that this was not going to work out you can't just tell people about this feeling this state of mind A couple nights later, me and two of my closest friends were lying back on the hood of an abandoned car out in the woods, looking into the stars. And again I said, what if I told you that the world was just the way that it was supposed to be? And at first they just said, you're stupid. Immediately, one of my friends started talking about his parents' divorce and why it didn't need to happen or something like that. I was like, Jesus Christ, like, does everybody have these buried ideas that 
the world should have worked out a completely different way. I was kind of in disbelief. And as I pushed the idea a little further, starting the example over, okay, you wake up in the morning, you go out your front door, you look at the world. What's the first thing you see? What's the first thing you think? And they talked about terror and war and imbalance and sadness and misery. And I just couldn't find a way to say, what if that's you? What if that's just you? And the world sits quietly waiting, waiting for you to appreciate life. And I swear to God, they said, what if we kick your ass right now? <laughs> what if we actually just fucking take you down to the creek and throw you in it and just leave you there? And I probably just laughed. If I'd have known what would happen, I would have stayed in bed But you know how it is when you get something in your head If anyone calls, say I'm dead I should have cried instead of smiling all day long But you know how it is when you're young You're so headstrong And you jump right in headlong You don't care Day in, day out, I could prove kind of glimmers to people that there was another way to see things, but I guess the ultimate test was about to happen when me and Duncan went up to Boston and I ended up out on that fucking golf course with my guru. And I forgot. I forgot about this. <clears throat> right when we got down to the very bottom of that golf course and we were looking up at the sky and we pulled out that joint and we had this amazing moment of peace. I think one of the only times I ever felt like he was maybe a little vulnerable and I could talk to him and he could understand me and I'm looking at the sky and I had my opening and I said you know there's no such thing as evil it doesn't exist
and he smiled. And he laughed. And under his breath, I heard him say, I know there's evil. And then the cops came down the hill and arrested him. Let me go. back to school strangely I started to get wildly bored something needed to change I just didn't know what it was couldn't figure it out I ended up seeing this girl in the cafeteria someone I probably could have fallen in love with when I was a freshman but she had gone off to England and just returned right when I was about to graduate. And we immediately, my first night just exploded into the most powerful love I'd ever felt. Suddenly school just didn't seem interesting at all. And we just ignored everything and everyone. At night, we'd find ourselves in these really intense conversations that turn into these global, philosophical, wild arguments, but they were really just these inspired, freakish attraction ceremonies. They kind of tipped into violence all of a sudden. I don't really know how. But we'd had this strange argument. I really don't think it was important. But we went to this bizarre place where she dug her nails down into my hands and my arm and drew blood and kept pressing her nails down inside my hand until she scarred my hands and my shoulder so that when it came to graduation day I just had all these bloody scabs all over my hands underneath the gown I remember hiding it from my Taoist teacher 
as I was walking towards the graduation stage, just saying, I've never been so embarrassed. I, I don't like it when people look at me. And he just smiled and said, well, try to enjoy it because nobody's ever going to give a shit again. Strangely, my father decided to come to school and that was very uncomfortable for some reason. I didn't see him for years at a time and just seeing him in an intellectual atmosphere somehow just, it didn't work, it didn't fit. I think I just wanted to get the fuck out of there. I remember my mom pushing the pedal down as we drove away and turning back and seeing my Taoist teacher for the last time and never contacting him again. I just couldn't think of what there was to say. I got home, Dunga called me from LA. It was time to move out there. It happened very suddenly. My mom bought me the truck. I was on the road. I got there and pretty quickly figured out that I wasn't in the right place in my life to brave really anything. I needed some help. I needed someone to love me. And the girl that I fell in love with had moved up to Portland, Oregon. Every day as everybody in LA just seemed colder and colder, I just kept thinking about how she was just up the highway. All I had to do was get in my truck and just break this lease. So I told Duncan, and the landlord that I was gonna get married. It's the only thing I could think of to say. Just sounded somehow legitimate. And I jumped on my truck again, and I was halfway through California, and the truck just gave out, suddenly just stopped on the side of the highway, and I had everything I owned with me. Suddenly I just, sort of lived on the side of the highway. So I just sat back and effectively lived in the back of my truck, staring out at the farmers, plowing the fields. I called her from the side of the road on a payphone, and I said, I, I couldn't make it. I, I'm stuck. Can you come get me? Do you want to help me? She just said, I don't think I can do that. And I thought, <laughs> why did I think this made sense? What am I doing out in the middle of the country, living on the side of the road on a payphone, expecting this person to give a shit? And I just started slamming the phone against the 
payphone over and over, just angry and confused. got a shitty hotel room and grabbed my guitar and lived on the side of the highway for about three days and Monday the auto parts tore open back up they fixed up the car and I was able to keep driving towards whatever I had got myself into the girl I'd fallen in love with had an older brother living with her and he already sounded familiar to me over the phone She'd been playing him lo-fi tapes of me and my guru, so he'd already sort of surmised where I was coming from. But I think one night he'd had too many beers and he'd hopped on the phone and offhandedly said, you should be up here. We'll get you on K Records, it's easy. No problem. It was a perfect accident. I mean, he couldn't have known how desperate and confused I was to get the fuck out of L.A. and figure out what the fuck I was supposed to do with the rest of my life. And I couldn't have known that he was just talking shit, making shit up off the top of his head. It was nighttime when I pulled up over the Fremont Bridge into Portland. And just immediately, first thing I saw, all the lights of the skyscrapers downtown kind of laughing at me. And I just knew no one's ever going to give a fuck about me. 
this was so stupid. The world isn't a place for me. I've come to the wrong place. Made a big mistake. And this is going to be impossible. <laughs>